gatherings like Tuesday morning where the men come together, the gatherings that the lady has. There is equipping that happens. But I want us to look here in Acts 1, uh, verse 4 here is where our main text is going to come from. We're going to read through verse 8 today. And it says this, Once while when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem. Now what's happening real quick? This is Jesus who's talking to his disciples, okay? And he says, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 goes on to say, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has authority to set the dates and the times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this is Jesus' commissioning message to his disciples. And it's interesting what he's pointing out. We're going to break this down here just for a moment. I'm ready for Jesus to return. Anybody else? Um, I'm I'm ready. It's going to be a great day. Until then, we have a mission to do, don't we? Well, see, the disciples were right there too. God, when is your kingdom coming? When are you going to take over? Because if you look back at the Jewish people, what they were looking for was a political deliverer who were coming to, who was coming to set them free from all the bondages uh, that, that they were facing. So before we get into the main points of the message, I want to bring just a couple of things out that I read, uh, that I observed as I was reading through this. One... The promised gift of the Father is the Holy Spirit. That's that's the promised gift that Jesus was talking about here. You will receive the Holy Spirit to witness. That is going to be what's changing the world, he's saying. But the disciples ask this very interesting question here. Um, Lord, uh, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? I want to talk here Um, You guys know I don't talk a whole lot about politics, but I want to talk, can I talk about politics just for a moment as it relates to what witnessing is all about, okay? You ready for this? The disciples were looking for a political deliverer. Can I just make an observation what I've seen in the last several years? The church, factions of the church, parts of the church has been looking for a political deliverer. I'm almost... um, embarrassed to how some areas of churches have looked to a political leader. This is God's man. This is how God is going to free us. This is how God is going to deliver us. And I'm going to make a few statements here. So if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, hold your arrows until I finish with everything, okay? Because then you can all shoot them at one time, okay? Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, I honor the man, President Donald Trump is not the deliverer for the church or the world or the United States. Let's go back a few years. President Barack Obama, I honor the man. I honored the position that that he had. Um, Is not a political deliverer. He will not set free the church. He could not set free the church. He could not set free the United States. He could not set free the world. Let's go back a little bit further. Um, Before that was George Bush, George W. Bush. He was, I honored the position of George W. Bush. But he could not free the church, he could not free the United States, and he could not free the world. He could not deliver. Let's go back. President Bill Clinton, 
He could not deliver the church. He could not deliver the United States. He could not deliver the world. Let's go back to George H. Bush. He could not... he couldn't do it. It was not his job to deliver the church. And what I saw, of course, you keep going back. I don't remember much about the presidents before that because I think my first time voting was George W. Bush. I believe that was my first time voting. Um, but what I had noticed is even the church rising up to say, this is God's man who's going to get us back to where we need to be. The mistake in that is all of a sudden it took this out of the equation. One man, and Jesus was pointing this out, a man cannot deliver the church. It takes the body of Christ. No political agenda can, can curve that. Is everybody still with me? Are you, you still good with all that? Because, you know, I, you know we, we all, I follow politics. I listen to news talk radio uh, from time to time. I want to be informed because I want to know how to pray. But more than that, I want to understand what Jesus was saying here. The Father alone has the authority to set the dates and times. And they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, can political agendas direct us as a nation? Can political agendas direct us? Absolutely they can. Can they take us away? Absolutely absolutely they can. But just as... It's, I don't want us to so much, and when I say us, I'm talking about the church, to focus on a political leader. I also don't want local churches to focus on a man who's holding a microphone to lead. Um, well, maybe to lead, but not to direct everything. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit has empowered all of us. If you're in here today and you know Jesus as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit has empowered you to witness I just have the opportunity to hold a microphone on Sunday morning and encourage you with God's word. When you go out throughout the week, if you need to pretend that you have a microphone, pick up a pen and go around, talk. They might think you're a little strange. Whatever it is that you have to do, but bring the message of hope that no political leader can bring, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we minister that through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome that God has given us this privilege? We do not need a political leader because politics cannot do, not save the heart of mankind. Only Jesus can do that. That is why Jesus gave you and me his Holy Spirit. What, what do you think about whenever I talk about... Um, Witness. Now, I'm, I'm going to get some feedback here for just a moment. Now, when I say witness, I'm not talking about just necessarily religious type of witnessing. I want you to think about when you hear the word witness, what do you think about? To give account of. Lifestyle. Example. To tell what you know. The meaning. See, you have Mr. You have Mr. Um, um, what is it, missions director guy here, the meaning is martyr, which if you examine that, that's giving up yourself, your point of view. What is it that you saw? Think about witnesses who see an accident. They're giving up what they saw. But when we bring it right down to the, the religious view, the church view, what we'll call it, it does. It means martyr. That is, what did Jesus say? See, this is taking me in a whole cool direction, Dean. What, what, is, what did Jesus say? Lay down your life for the gospel. If, if you lose your life, you will find your life. Yes. 
He said, "All kind, take up your cross daily and follow me. That's what a witness is. It's to give up your life and follow after Jesus. Now, that is not saying quit your job. As a matter of fact, that's saying go into your job even more. How many times have you heard me say this, that, that folks who ask me, Pastor, can you pray that God would give me a job surrounded by Christians so I don't have to put up with everything? And I tell you, I love you, but I will not pray for you to find a job surrounded by Christians. I won't do it. Why is that? Because you are there for a purpose. You are there to bring the light of the gospel to where God has placed you. That's a witness. So thank you for those, those answers. A witness tells what happened from his point of view. In a Christian's life, our witness is to tell what God has done in and through our lives, and it's that simple. He just says, I will empower you to help you do it. Think about before you came to Jesus. Think about what he has saved you from. Think about what he has saved you to, and that is heaven. And you began to tell your story, and wow, look what God has done. Here's, here's an interesting thought. Um, in the U.S. culture, we tend to think about what God has saved us from, don't we? You know, a life of sin, a life of drugs, a life of this, a life of that. Um, and now everything is wonderful because Jesus came. And yes, there are some struggles that we have. But think about when Dean talked to us uh, several months ago, and he was over in Niger, and they had to modify their witness. Why is that? Because in Niger, the way God, when God came into their lives, now all of a sudden their life was at risk. Because it's a Muslim-dominated um, culture, extreme Muslim, I should say, dominated, dominated culture to where if you confess to be a Christian, you'll die. Just for that reason. So and, and in our culture, we tend to think about this. Well, Jesus came in. He took away all that was bad. Yes, life, you know, I'm, I'm working through some things, but, but God is good. In other countries, we see people who say things like, you know what, life was good. I had everything that I needed, everything was going well, then I acknowledged Jesus, and now there's a price tag on my head for people who want to take me out. But here's what they follow it up with, the same thing that we do, but God is good. Why is that? Because they recognize this. They recognize that this earth, this life that we live is just a breath. The Bible calls it a mist, and then there's eternity. So it empowers them with a price tag on their head. It empowers them to say, this is what Jesus has done. My externals have changed and may not be the best, but the internals now, I know that I am set free. I've never felt so free. I've never sensed the joy of the Lord like I have now. And that's what it's all about. So even in cultures where a price tag is on their head, tell your story. Let's look at this real quick. Uh, point number, well, that was a long introduction, right? Point number one, we are equipped and empowered to have an effective witness. I want to bring this out. Effective witness does not equal perfection. Um, you can elbow your neighbor. You can elbow your spouse if they tend to be a, perspe a perfectionist, right? But effective witness does not equal perfection. Being effective requires willingness to take a risk. I'm going to be willing to take a risk to share my faith. And it may not always be perfect. It could be messy at times. I always think about uh, some of the words that Miss Vicki says when she's here doing the bulletin uh, on Wednesday. Maybe she'll make a typo, which is very rare that she makes a mistake. But one of the things that she always told me, because I'll make mistakes too, right? If you're not making mistakes, you're not doing anything. 
She has preached that to me, and I'm so thankful for that because I make so many mistakes. Anybody else in here, you make a lot of mistakes, yeah? Man, if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing anything. Being effective in the kingdom of God does not require our witness to save anyone. Wait a minute, what do you mean by that? Well, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. He will take your story and he will begin to work in the heart of someone who doesn't know Jesus and bring them to Christ. So that's what we say when we talk about we are equipped and empowered to have an effective witness. We tell our story. The Holy Spirit takes over and does the rest. Acts 2.41 says this, Those who believed what Peter said in his witness were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. This answers the question when we go back to Acts 1.8. Why were the believers filled with the Holy Spirit? It wasn't just about speaking in tongues. It was about people getting saved. However, it was evidenced through the heavenly language, okay? So I'm not taking away from. That's a very, impar- uh, very important part of being baptized with the Holy Spirit as well. But anyway, they were filled with the Holy Spirit for effective witness. 3,000 people came into the kingdom of God in one day. I've heard that scripture built, uh, um, talking about, you know, church growth and and building big churches, which big churches are great. Uh, I've, I've been a part of them. They all have a place in the kingdom of God, small churches, big churches. But you know what these people did? They went out and they began to tell their story. And that's what, whether you have a 100-person church, a 300-person church, an 800-person church, a 2,500-person church, our job is to go give an effective witness. That's what it's all about. We've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are equipped and empowered to have a bold witness. We are equipped and empowered to have boldness in our, our witness. Now, here's this. Boldness does not equal arrogance and pride. I want to go back to, and, and please don't think I'm pointing out a specific leader because of the current culture, but go back to political leaders throughout time. And there's arrogance and there's pride that's there. But what has God called the church to? Humility. Being humble. Because arrogance and pride, what does that do? Man, that turns most people off, doesn't it? Arrogance and pride, it just, you know what? I'm not sure about that. And we see that within the church too. I recognize that. But we are equipped and empowered to have boldness. Not arrogance, but boldness. Jesus was big on humility. Peter and John, we're going to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 4, by the way. Well, you're already there. Well, you're not too far away from that. Acts chapter 4. We are equipped and empowered to have boldness in our witness. Well, here we'll see Peter and John were in big trouble with the religious leaders because they preached Jesus. Now, at this time, this, this whole thing about the gospel was brand new, and the religious leaders did not like it because here you had the church that was forming, and they were going against the religious set way of doing things, okay? So let me catch us up on this story. The religious leaders basically were threatening Peter and John, and they said, never say the name of Jesus again. Don't ever do it, because we don't know this guy. Well, we kind of know this guy, but we don't believe he is who he says he is. Acts 4.29 says this, And now, O Lord, this is them praying, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness. In preaching your word, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This is going to lead us to our third point. So 
we have they were equipped and empowered uh, to have a bold witness, verse 30, with healing power and miraculous signs. So point number three is this. We are equipped and empowered to witness with miraculous signs. It's a part of what every believer has been given the ability to, to, to do. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We can do that. But then he jumps it up a notch. He says, cast out demons. Boy, that's... Then he even goes further and he said, you can even raise the dead. Of course, all according to the will of the Father. But how does that happen? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't heal anybody. I can give you a Tylenol. It'll help you for a little bit. But God can heal. Praise God for that. Expect, here, here, here it is, expect to see the power of God working through you and in you. So here you are, you're strolling around work tomorrow, you're doing your thing. One of your co-workers says, you know what, I have uh, this thing that's been going on, I just haven't been feeling right for the past couple of weeks. And you feel at that moment prompted by the Holy Spirit, He has given you the gift of faith and the gift of healing in that moment, and you just sense it inside, and you say, can I pray for you? And you go up to Dylan and you say, Lord, I just, I thank you for your word that says you, you want to heal people and you want to work through me to do that. So I lay hands on Dylan in Jesus' name, heal him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's it. All right, Dylan, get back to work. I'm going back to work too. And then what would happen if all of a sudden Dylan's friend comes back or Dylan comes back and says, you know what? That pain that I was having is totally gone. What was that all about? That just opened up a door for witness. Right? And here's the question that I've had. What if they don't get healed? Pray again. Seek the Lord on that. See what he, Our job is what? To be obedient? It's the work of the Holy Spirit to fulfill the matter. And he will do it. So expect to see the power of God at work uh, through you. And in you. I want to give you just a, a personal example, real quick. And when I say in you and through you, this was for me personally. Um, you may have heard my story where I grew up with asthma. Uh, it was pretty bad. I think the probably the worst that I, or the last bad what I had was in, I think I was a junior in high school. And it was the last time I was in the hospital with asthma. But the symptoms continued to persist after that. I mean, I can remember being a little boy, uh, being in, now they used to have tents in the hospital. They would put you in this bed and they would put a tent. Is there a specific name for that? But anyway, a croup tent. I was in a croup tent. That was my crib. Um, that's where I was living for a while, and I remember the pastor coming by, and it was Glenn Burris Sr., and he gave me a truck, and it was really cool. Remember that, Mom? Well, so all my life I've had asthma. It was really bad up until I was a junior in high school, but then it still persisted. And I can remember just being, <laughs> being sick and tired of having asthma. You ever been sick and tired of being sick and tired? And I just sensed the Holy Spirit say this, David, I want to do a work in you. Now, this wasn't the reaching out. This wasn't the witnessing part. But now I'm telling you my story. This is the witnessing part of me telling my story. I, rem I sense the Holy Spirit saying this, David, when you begin to sense the bronchial lungs and all that begin to tighten up, I want you to stop what you're doing, breathe in slowly, and to yourself or even out loud, I'm breathing in the life of the Holy Spirit. And I'm breathing out that sickness and disease. Now, that was a, that was a faith thing, I believe. That wasn't any magical type of thing that was happening, right? It was just 
Lord, I'm breathing in the healing of your Holy Spirit. And in the name of Jesus, I'm breathing out the disease of asthma. And I had to do this for probably maybe six months, maybe a year. I don't remember exactly. And I can't tell you the exact date that I stopped having these symptoms. This is the second time I've told this story. The first time I told this story was at the men's retreat uh, a couple weeks ago. I can't tell you the exact date that I was healed of that. But that's my story. For so long, and this was probably, I think I was here in Mooresville at that time. So this has just been within the past few years. And I know it's been at least three years now. Praise God. What was that? That was just me hearing the voice of God. David, I want you to do this. Just breathe in the life of the Holy Spirit. And when you breathe out, it's, it's the sickness and it's the disease that has held you forever. I, I'm free from that. See, I began to tell that story to people, and maybe it inspires them. Maybe the Holy Spirit works in their life, and they begin to say, well, maybe there is something about this whole Jesus thing. Yeah, absolutely there is. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer. So what is your story? What has God delivered you from? We are equipped and empowered to witness with miraculous signs and wonders. Acts 8.14, so just flip over four more chapters. Acts 8.14. And this is telling the story of uh, people in Samaria. It says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, we're getting ready to continue reading here, but I want to point something out. There's a distinction between salvation and Holy Spirit baptism. If you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, at that moment, the Holy Spirit did come into your life, bear witness of who Jesus is, and leads and guides you along the way, right? But as we're about to read the, the, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, this, this uh, equipped and it, this empowerment to witness comes in verse 17 and, and on. It says, Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, so these people were saved, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. We have that today. We have people who are in the line of mediums and sorcery and all those type of things. And, and maybe they're not, they're not trying to buy the Holy Spirit, but they're trying to buy a way to read into your life. They're trying to buy a way because what do they do? They, they charge you money. You know, they, here, come here and I will tell you everything that, that you need to know. So anyway, verse 19, he says, Let me have this power too, he exclaims, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. You don't have to offer money. To receive the Holy Spirit. It's a free gift, absolutely. It's a free gift that, that God has given. The miraculous power was noticed by a sorcerer who saw this dynamic power and wanted to buy it. Now, let's look at a couple things here. He was a sorcerer, so he was working magic. But what he saw the Holy Spirit doing was far greater than anything he had been able to do. And he says, I've got to have that. Matter of fact, I've made a lot of money, so let me give, how much do I owe you to be able to get this type of power? 
And, of course, he was rebuked for thinking he could even do such a thing. Um, But the power of the Holy Spirit is a free gift not to make money off of. I just saw recently, um, it was on one of the news stories, social media news stories, um, where there uh, there was someone who was interpreting dreams in the name of the Lord and was charging people, come here and I will interpret the dream that God has given you. It was a seminar. That troubled me. How can I charge for a free gift? Lord, help us in that. The Holy Spirit has given you a free gift to bring freedom to other people. You can't put a price tag on that, right? The power of God is more miraculous than the power of darkness. Greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. So why do we witness? Our witness is to show God's power. Expect it. We we can expect that. Number four, we are equipped and empowered to witness no matter the cost. This is what Dean was alluding to. Your witness, this just happened recently, by the way. I won't go into detail, but your witness may cost you your job. It may cost you a promotion. Your witness may cost you friendships. Your witness may cost you a place on the team. Your witness may cost you a place at the cool kids table. I just want to speak to all those who are in school right now. Your witness for Jesus may cost you a place. There's just a few kids in here, or a few youth in here, I should say. Sorry, I didn't mean to call you kids. Um, May cost you a place at the cool kids table, you know, maybe one of the sports thing or, or, or whatever it is. But continue to press into God. There's no greater reward than knowing that you are doing the will of God. Even if the promotion doesn't come, if the friendship's broken, obviously we want to keep friendships, right? Your witness may cost you your life. It really could. Mark 8.36 says this, though, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? The Holy Spirit has empowered us to be a powerful witness, and it may cost us something, but let's be willing to pay the price. Now, the chances here in the United States of that happening aren't that great, but the chances are there. They really are especially when we talk about um, positions at work and jobs and friendships and all that. It may cost us in those particular areas. Matthew 5.10, turn over there with me real quick, and we're going to close with this scripture. Matthew 5.10, we'll go through verse 12. My purpose in my job today is inspire you to tell your story. What has God done in your life? Matthew 5.10. Actually, I went to Matthew 10, but it's Matthew 5.10. It says this, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You want to obtain the kingdom of heaven and see God doing work among you here on earth? It may take a little bit of persecution, like we were just talking about. It may cost you a position to make a stand. 
was a guy who wouldn't align with a particular political affiliation, and he didn't get the promotion that he was promised. It just happened recently because he wouldn't align with an affiliation that caused him to go against his core values and beliefs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient, ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Here's what has happened. This person did not get the promotion that they had trained for because they wouldn't sign a piece of paper saying, I align with this political party. And people are saying, you should do this, you should do that, you should, you know. But what it has done, it has opened up an opportunity for him to tell people about his faith in Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven is far greater than a couple dollars extra an hour. I mean, who doesn't want a couple extra dollars an hour, right? I mean, I think we would all raise our hand and say, yeah, me. But the kingdom of heaven is far greater. Amen? And we see it happening. And I hear your stories, and it's, it's, it's amazing to hear how you are allowing God to work through you. Following Jesus, I, I won't say may cost you here, here on earth. Following Jesus will cost you here on this earth. But great is your reward in the kingdom of God. Here's what I know about your witness. Your witness will cross socioeconomic lines. Your witness will cross cultural lines. Your witness will cross racial lines. Your witness will cross denominational lines. There's all kinds of lines that your witness will cross. And that's a great thing. It's great when the church can stand up and, and you link arms and unite. I was joking with Chloe just a little bit earlier, you know, Miss Duke fan there, me, Mr. Tar Heel fan. I had my arm around her. I said, isn't it great that we can do this church thing together, even though your team is horrible? She said, yeah, you're But we unite. It doesn't matter the age difference, the racial difference. It shouldn't matter the age difference, the racial difference, the socioeconomic, all those different things. We're here to bring a message of hope to people. And everybody needs hope. From the poorest among us to the richest among us, we all need hope. may not be the same specific area, but it is the hope of Jesus Christ, the hope of life after this life. We need Jesus. Everybody does. Your, worker, your uh, fellow workers, people in your family need Jesus. How do you present that? The Holy Spirit's empowered you. He'll let you know what you need to say. Just tell your story. That's what he's asking of you. Can we go ahead and stand? And I want to ask you this question. When it comes to the people that you know, maybe the people that you don't know even on occasion, are you ready? And I want you to be honest in this evaluation. Are you ready to be all in? All in. Be willing to sacrifice this and that and the other and whatever it is. Are you willing to be all in? Well, my friends expect this of me. What does Jesus expect of you? 
I'm just submitting this today. You know, um, my job expects this of me. The sports program expects this of me. This expects, what does Jesus expect? And do you need a job? Absolutely, you do. God will provide. I'm not telling anybody to quit your job in here. Please don't hear me saying that. Unless maybe, maybe you do. I don't know. I don't know what situation you're in. The thing is, are you all in? Why do I ask this question? Why do we take such a serious tone with this? Because the world needs Jesus. The church grew the most in the Bible, and even as we can see throughout history, the church grew the most when? When it was persecuted. Just like the story that I just told you of the gentleman. Now all of a sudden, he has an opportunity to share with so many people why he could not why the promotion was denied to him. He didn't deny the promotion, it was denied to him. Wow. This can only and this is only accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. Am I ready to be all in? Can I tell you this? There's times where I say I am all in, you know? I, I say that. I'm all in. And then tomorrow comes. I'm like, well, maybe not today. The situation arises, and man, we've had some discussions about this where, um, you know, I have an opportunity to pray for somebody, and I'm like, maybe now's not a good time. Today is the day of salvation. You know, today is the day where God is saying, Matt, I want you to be all in, Christian. You know, Debbie, I want you to be all in and be led by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can we just lift our hands just for a moment? I'm going to ask us all to do this, and just make this your prayer. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me to be all in. I want to be all in, and, and there's times where my flesh will war against me, and I put to death my flesh. Holy Spirit, will you convict me of those times where I say, uh, maybe not right now, or this is, this is important, you know, no, Holy Spirit, help me to be all in for the kingdom of God. Church, this week, I want to I hear back from you, too, just to share a moment when you were all in. I want you to go this week expecting God to do something so that, you know, we're, we're meeting out on the um, porch next Sunday, or you call me this week, and you say, hey, Send me a text, send me an email, call me this week. Hey, this is what happened. I shared my story about God, and here's what happened. Can we do that this week? That's, that's my challenge to you. That's my challenge to you this week. If you haven't received Jesus as your personal Savior, and you want to accept this challenge of living a bold life that just goes in the face of society, right? Society is expecting, really, you're just wanting to... You understand, and what you've heard today, you're like, wow, maybe God is real. Maybe there is something to Jesus. I want to be able to lead you in a prayer where you make the decision to be all in and following Jesus. So is anybody you say, I've never received Jesus as my Savior, and I want to do that. Is there anybody here today? Just raise your hand real quick so I'll know who I'm praying about. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? All right, good. Well, this week, let's go out and let's lead people to Jesus. Can we try that? Not just try it, but can we do that? Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you? Amen. God is good. I'm going to ask Dean to come up here and close us out in prayer. And um, I'll see you at the back. But, man, this week, let's go do it. You ready?
You excited? Let's go tell people about Jesus. Dean.